Welcome back to the Imposter's Way podcast, the place where I keep a beginner's mind and you hopefully keep on learning from that exploration, from that beginner mindset that I apply currently to all things cryptocurrencies and blockchains and have done so for the last 11 weeks. Um, this would be the 12th week, I think, actually. And um, I intend to keep going because I intend to keep learning and the cryptocurrency space in particular has turned out to be a bottomless hole that I can just keep falling into and potentially share some of my fascinations on all things blockchain with you along the way. If I lose some of you um, because the stuff is just getting too much, I understand. Um, I, I'll try to bring it back to relatable things, especially in this chapter and the, and the coming ones. So... Um, you know, I'm the same. I sometimes feel a bit like this is outer worldly stuff and it's not really relatable to our lives. And the Lightning Network, which is the topic for, for today's episode and probably the coming ones, um, kind of brings that back to, to real world. And I think I think that's why it's fascinating. So, um, yeah, we've finished our initial 10 chapters and those were a bit more formal and kind of the work I, I set out to do to to, to really work along those principles because I haven't seen that done before. And for me, that really works. Um, so explaining principles like like decentralization in general. And then also we had, you know, the consensus um, algorithms, for example, if you remember the Byzantine general problem. Um, but also we have uh, these these kind of futuristic outlooks like pseudonymous economies and and, and streaming value. And I think what's problematic there talking about this um, now that I look back is that it really requires a lot of imagination. It requires a lot of um, yeah, futuristic outlook, right? And, and that is not something that feels very real and tangible in our daily life. And it is a very valid question to be made of like, why are you indulging in these kind of things that this doesn't exist, like this is not real? So it might as well fail and not ever materialize. So why am I spending time on it? And right, um, I feel the same way um, sometimes um, if I think about and work on these concepts and, and research this kind of stuff. So on right now, I'd like to focus on paying for your coffee with cash, um, but digital cash and instantly without big fees. And, you know, your local barista um, doesn't have to pay credit card fees or or sending some money over to another country where you have a friend that helped you on a di digital logo design a bit or whatever and and not paying fees there or, or, or not um, you know being able to do that instantly so we're, we're talking about crypto paypal if you have to reduce it to very simple terms so paypal on uh, bitcoin um, and we'll talk about why the lightning network is the better alternative so first of all stop hold on we're talking about another network uh, we've just talked about so many networks and yes lightning is another network and on top of bitcoin so we talked about all kinds of projects we talked about ethereum projects and i never try to use actually the the protocol names much and like confuse you with all these different names and companies and stuff like that but Bitcoin, the name you know. And Lightning Network is, um, is a technology that, that builds on top of Bitcoin. So the unit of account, the transaction money, so the stuff that you send back and forth, 
remains Bitcoin, right? Um, but the way you transact it uh, goes over the Lightning Network. And I'll explain to you why. So we need a layered approach in any monetary system. So monetary system being also our existing monetary system. We just don't hear about it. So if you PayPal somebody or you use a credit card and there are you know, several layers working for you behind the scenes to actually settle that transaction. And you don't care about that. I personally don't uh, much either. And I'll not go into detail here, but if you uh, pay with your credit card, that is just, you know, like a very loose record on the credit card's company. And until basically that money gets maybe taken from your debit account and then also finally gets settled into something like, you know, central bank level uh, um, recordings of, of who has how much money and which transaction happened, that actually takes a long time and is a very intransparent process. But what I hear takes anywhere between a couple of business days to, to, to a week. Um, of kind of actually finalizing that payment and on the safest layer of this monetary system that we all participate in every day. So this is about the current monetary system, right? The, the euro system or the dollar system. So today we're talking about PayPal, kind of off the crypto ecosystem. So the top layer that allows you to instantly send money everywhere. And this is why things get interesting for you as a hum normal human here that doesn't really spend time listening to podcasts about system architecture of monetary systems, you know? So that's why I meant with the relatability. So Lightning is how you pay your friends um, or your coffee in Bitcoin, in a Bitcoin world, obviously, right? So it's the credit card or the PayPal of a Bitcoin world. And it even has some benefits against the credit card or PayPal um, of, of, of the current monetary system. And that is, Lightning acts more like digital cash than these projects do, that these companies do or these systems do. That means it keeps your privacy, it has lower or zero fees, and it offers financial inclusion. So those are the three main benefits I want to talk about um, to make this case for Lightning and why you should care. So you pay in Bitcoin over Lightning like you pay in dollars over credit cards. But payments are anonymous like... You can imagine if you pay the musician on the street corner that's playing the guitar by just throwing a couple of coins in their hat, right? So they have the hat laying on the floor. You throw a couple of coins in there. That is a payment. That is instant. That is anonymous. That has no fees. And everybody can do it that has cash. You don't need to have um, a, credit um, a credit card issued to you or being able to um, show a certain credit score, right? So it's very inclusive in that sense. And Lightning um, kind of enables the same in the digital realm, meaning that um, obviously we um, realize that cash is a bit of, of a cumbersome and limited medium. It has benefits, like the privacy, for example, but it has um, obviously drawbacks. We, we transact a lot more internationally or at least not location-based in 2021. And we, we realize that money will have to go digital. And what the Lightning Network really, I think the really fascinating case it makes is to make uh, cash digital without losing the benefits that physical cash has. If central banks talk about introducing, um, you know, digital euros, digital dollars, what is included is the fact that you lose some of the properties that cash has 
And that's kind of not the deal I would like to sign up for. So on Lightning, sending Bitcoin has very low fees, right? Example, for the, so not zero fees, the, the network has to maintain itself, but it's just very cheap. It's quite efficient in, in how it handles these channels that we'll get into. So for a $10 breakfast at the small cafe, you would, you'd pay, let's say, a cent, right, of, of fees. So, and lastly, and this is kind of the most important benefit, is everyone with, everyone with a smartphone can use Lightning PayPal. So the Lightning version, right? You'll get tired of hearing me talk about this, but this is a big deal. PayPal is a company with headquarters and it operates only in certain countries. Obviously, it operates in many countries, but by far not in every country. It can choose where to operate. It can choose when and where to charge fees or when and where to block payments. So if you don't want to use their app for any reason, you're not able to send money to, even if you, all your other friends have PayPal, if, if you don't uh, want to use that app or you can't, you are excluded from that system. Easy as that. It could be just that you're not interested in using another app. Your, your space is full on your, on your phone, whatever. Um, in any case, if you don't use that app because you already have another app, for example, for payment processing, they're not interoperable, meaning that you're stuck with the PayPal ecosystem or you go some, you, you, or you get all your friends to switch to, to something else. And Lightning is an open network like Bitcoin. It doesn't require you to be in a certain state, uh, have a good financial track record, or even uh, re doesn't require you to have a bank account. You don't have to have an ID you can just start using it. You download an app from the App Store and you generate a wallet, which is a very easy onboarding process, a couple of clicks. Basically, you need to set a password. Then you have an account and that account can receive and send money. It's pretty simple. And it works with maintaining your privacy with low fees and it works for everybody that has a smartphone. And as with the case for Bitcoin, a lot of people do not have a use for the system right now in their daily life. And I think that's important to bring back because that at least comes up in every discussion I have on, on this topic in, in real life. You don't have to pay credit card fees right now. The store does. So where you buy your coffee, that store pays the credit card fees for you. You don't have friends in other countries maybe that you want to PayPal money to where you would actually right now pay a 5% fee, at least if I understand the fee table from PayPal correctly, which is, to be honest, quite confusing. But if you're here to be curious um, and thinking forward, I think there are some interesting points here. So keep in mind, A, others might need a system like this right now, and B, you might need a system like this one day, and C, <laughs> It's just worth wondering sometimes of, of what we as humans are able to create. And this is a network running in people's basements all around the world. Tens of thousands of little computers that organically connect to each other and enable you to like send value around the world instantly where before you were always dependent upon um, big corporations, which 
they're not evil. That's not what I'm saying here. Big corporations get a bad rap. Um, they totally have their place. It's just that you have a high dependence on these systems and you can just have an alternative now. If you don't need the alternative, don't use it. It's very simple, but I think it's still something worth wondering and being amazed by that this even exists. So this is my case for Lightning and why you should stick around and why you should be interested in it. So to wrap up, uh, to sum summarize, wrapping up is too, too early, to, to, to summarize here, it, um, it is like the PayPal or the credit card of the crypto space. And it um, keeps some benefits that physical cash has that credit card or PayPal does not maintain, like privacy, like this inclusion aspect that you don't need to register with any kind of pre previously decided um, criteria like a credit score. So that is um, what, what it is and this is why it's exciting and there's a lot of caveats to it, obviously. Um, one thing is we do not live in a Bitcoin world right now. So this technology works and it's used, but it's used by a very small minority. So this addresses the adoption curve problem. Um, only if enough people use PayPal will PayPal be of use to you. This is what's called a network effect. Basically, if all your friends do not have PayPal, you having PayPal is worthless to you. The same is true for the Lightning Network. So the Lightning Network and Bitcoin will have to be good enough that enough people say, well, might as well download that app. <laughs> and if enough of your friends use that app, then the network effect has taken uh, you know, its hold and all of a sudden people will be able to use the cryptocurrency PayPal instead of the real PayPal. Now, when that's going to happen, if that's going to happen, and especially in which countries and jurisdictions that's going to happen, is a bit up in the air. I think there's first signs, we'll cover that later. But that is a big caveat, obviously. Now, with that out of the way, kind of the case for, for why the Lightning, Lightning Network is necessary on a sociological or maybe on a monetary system level, I just quickly want to go into why it is necessary on a technical level. So this is not going to get technical, but, you know, there's a need for scaling solutions. And, and, and what does that mean? So Bitcoin is not optimized to have to process lots of transactions. So Visa, credit card provider, took 30 years, whatever, to build up slowly their, their throughput. So how many transactions they can handle. And depending on where you look, around 45,000 transactions per second are handled by Visa right now. Bitcoin handles around seven transactions in, uh, in a second. So that is intended that way. But it's a big difference, right? If you want to say you want to do your daily transactions and we're talking about the PayPal or the Visa, the credit card of crypto, well, then this won't cut it, right? So every system finds itself in this trilemma and, and maybe every distributed system, but it doesn't matter and has to make trade-offs and meaning that it sacrifices one area to attain more strength in another area. So what is this trilemma and kind of where does Bitcoin fall? And maybe also we cover where Visa falls or PayPal. So the trilemma, um, you have to imagine a triangle now and on each corner, you kind of write one thing. On one of the edge um, corners, you write scalability, on the other one security and on the third decentralization. So scalability 
how much the network can have as throughput uh, to security, how resilient is it against kind of attacks or um, bugs or whatever. And decentralization, meaning does it have a single point of failure or not, right? So this is not, this is, um, all of those things are bigger topics and we've covered them partially in previous chapters, but this is the trilemma. You can't have all three of them in one system. You have to choose um, trade-offs between those three elements and you land somewhere where, where, you, where you feel comfortable designing the system. So maybe let's take Visa, for example, or PayPal. Um, the first thing that you realize is that uh, decentralization is non-existent. So they completely can focus on scalability and security, maybe even with, um, uh, you know, security is obviously very important to them, but scalability, and then you can get two out of the three, basically, right? If you want to think in black and white terms. Um, and Bitcoin chose to optimize for decentralization, exactly the opposite of what PayPal does. And it also chose on focusing on security. So it traded Bitcoin, traded these two things off against scalability. So scalability here means that we do not send more and more transactions through the network all the time. So we cannot scale the amount of transactions easily up to the scale that your credit card processor um, is at. So let's, the, the idea is let's use the properties of Bitcoin's security and decentralization, right? Which allows this openness, by the way, right? The decentralization is here also the same as the openness, meaning that you don't have to go to a central entity that also decides if you can participate. So decentralization has several benefits here. But um, we just take that as a base layer and we build a speedy transaction layer on top of that, which, which kind of uses the principles, which, which uses the benefits that the Bitcoin layer brings of security and decentralization, and then builds the fast transaction layer on top of it and just uses the security and the decentralization whenever it's needed. And we'll get into how that works now. So Bitcoin is a database, right? It's a slow but very secure database. Also, it's a decentralized database. Now, it's important that your bank account is secured on a ledger. If, if you have a Bitcoin bank account or a physical one, it's very important that that information of how much money you have is very, very secure, right? But does the blockchain need to secure or even your current bank account every single coffee you buy? The answer is no. And the answer is that it also doesn't in the current system. So remember kind of the, the process of there are several layers going on. If you pay with, with a credit card, that is not the same as the settlement in your bank account. And that is not the same as the settlement of the bank to the central bank, for example. So Lightning allows you to open, te technologically speaking, a bar tab. So you can have a few coffees and you can even go to the store next door and you can buy a new swimsuit. And these transactions will be summarized and saved to the ledger so this open account of transactions, um, instead of being all stored individually. So you basically do a summary. You say, okay, this is low volume stuff, right? This is not a lot of money. So we just kind of add the stuff up, we sum it up in the end, and then in the end we write, person A transacted with restaurant B so much. And that is how a bar tab works in real life. 
um, that can go over several days probably, right? It, it's built on trust in the real world. Um, and what uh, Lightning, that's why the analogy, of course, suffers uh, greatly quite quickly, is that Lightning enables you to do that in a more trustless way. So you don't need to know the person. Um, and also these channels, these kind of bar tabs are opened uh, without you knowing <laughs> and um, and it just kind of works. So these analogies are always hard because if you don't want to dive into the details of how the system is designed, um, all the analogies will fail. But but the bar tab is the closest we can get. So what really happens is that you have channels between participants in the Lightning Network. So those are all the small computers running in people's basements and you have channels open between them and they allow money to flow through the channels. And if I want to send money to um, a person C and I don't know the person C, but I know person B and person B knows person C, then we can flow through that channel. We can connect our channels and send that money through. So that is basically how, how that network is kind of structured, meaning it's a peer-to-peer -peer is how you call that kind of network that um, does not have... Um, I don't want to say centralized because obviously Bitcoin is not centralized, but Bitcoin has one source of truth. It has one ledger. Um, it's one transaction record, block by block by block. That's why it's called a blockchain. And that is openly um, available for everybody. You can just download that and you can see every single transaction. And a peer-to-peer -peer, um, network does not have this principle, but it sends kind of small channels back, back, back and forth. And once it's done with um, kind of the bar tab, it says, okay, here we go. This is what we want to write to the blockchain. Uh, and that summarizes maybe 40 transactions or 400 transactions that are very small. Now, um, this might be a bit confusing, but uh, this is kind of how it works with these channels. So this is another network on top of Bitcoin that kind of can transact smaller amounts of Bitcoin all the time. And whenever it needs to close a channel to say, all right, this bar tab is closed, we write this result, um, we kind of settle that bar tab and, and put it in the actual Bitcoin blockchain saying, this is finalized, this needs to be secure. And then there's no screwing about with that in the future. So you then you achieve the, the security that the Bitcoin network brings. And if you wonder how that still achieves to be secure, because it sounds like you can just kind of have a channel and money flow through people and who do you trust and whatever, um, there's a lot of math involved and like distributed system design. So it's all very scary stuff and you don't see that as a user. And I think that's important. You just scan a QR code like uh, from the barista's terminal, which is a tablet, like, and you pay for your coffee. And I'll link a demo video um, in the on theimpostorsway.com in the transcript as well as in the sources. And but I think the best way would be to really try it. So if you know somebody that uses Lightning or has has some Bitcoin experience, um, just ask them to to show you because you can just if you stand in front of each other, try this. And with that, um, I want to talk about risks and limitations. We talked about the adoption curve issue already. Obviously, if you do not have a friend that uses Lightning, um, this will be worthless to you at the current time. You've heard it now. So, you know, either be an early adopter and try it or wait a couple of years, maybe a couple of years more. And maybe then all of your friends have a Lightning Network app. Um, 
they don't have to know that it's about lightning, but they just know you can send some, you know, Bitcoin stuff back and forth for nothing. Um, and then, you know, the network effect will be in place and it will be useful for you. But there's other risks and downsides. So this is really just the, the, the network adoption is just a question of whether or not the, the network will provide enough value that more and more people will use it. Um, that is quite a social or sociological problem. Uh, and it just needs time. So the Lightning Network um, is, is a much needed addition to Bitcoin on a technical layer, layer though, because Bitcoin is just a very boring and secure base layer. And for daily use, we don't care about how Visa settles uh, their credit card payments, right? or Visa settles their payments or the credit card payments are settled in their data center somewhere. We care that we can pay for our coffee instantly. And for the Lightning Network, which enables that, it's very early at least in comparison to Bitcoin. So Bitcoin had a chance to prove itself for 12 years and it was very slow and most people didn't see it and most people didn't interact. And now we are at a trillion dollars um, of value and um, you know hundreds of millions of transaction volume per day in dollars. And that had a long time to prove itself and to be improved as well. And Lightning is emerging as a preferred layer on top of that right now and there's still very active development going on, meaning that some functionality is still missing, for example. So that network on top of the Bitcoin network needs to scale up as well. It needs to ensure that attacks and bugs are kept at bay. It needs to continue proving itself and just had less ability to do so, so far. Currently, the network is growing quite rapidly um, and El Salvador is uh, the kind of a major test for the technology now, probably. The small country is adopting Bitcoin as legal tender in September 2020, which was big news in the Bitcoin world because, um, well, it's a, it's a sign of real world adoption. That means that it will be accepted in El Salvador as official payment, just like the dollar, which is the national currency, the other national currency at that point. And um, of course, the country has a lot of small transactions in stores and you know, like surf shops and whatever. And um, Lightning will be working behind the scenes there to transfer these small payments in Bitcoin. All right. So obviously, everyone working on this um, will be, f you know, very focused um, on these developments and will monitor them closely. Apart from the social aspect that most people do not know how to use Bitcoin anywhere um, or in El Salvador, um, just on a system level, if the Lightning Network will hold up, how it will prove itself, how it will work, how it will scale. So um, the, the whole topic is, is, is monitored very closely. It's, it's, it's a very interesting time for the Lightning Network, but also it's very early and actually people building on the Lightning Network are oftentimes a bit hesitant saying they would appreciate more time to perfect the system and to scale it up and to, to test it more and before thousands and hundreds of thousands of people jump on it, right? Because uh, you really don't want your system prematurely to reach too much popularity and, and then it being overwhelmed and potentially needing more fixes. So I think everybody here is quite careful because there's real like there's real money at stake, real, real economic activity. So not just speculation on some token, which says that in the future there might be a system that does something and then crazy people invest like a hundred bucks in that. 
it, it would be the backbone of um, at least parts of the El Salvadorian um, economy of how to transact money back and forth. And apart from the fact that a lot of people might not adopt it because they want to use the dollar, which is totally legal too, and we will just see, um, there's these technical things that are still being worked on. I think nobody really uh, is scared that the system itself is um, not scalable or that it will break in a sense that lightning as a solution is just a bad idea. I've never heard that, to be honest, from all the critics that I've tried to find. I always find try to find critics of the things that I talk about, but just, just that it might be too early and that there might be still improvements that need to be made in order for this to really gain mainstream adoption. Which brings us to the conclusion of today's episode. So obviously with all of these things, we have to stay curious and we can't predict the future. But the promises of this very humble lightning network <laughs> uh, that it makes have a chance to prove themselves now. And, and, and very, very soon, we're talking about three days from now as at the time of this recording. So. It for sure is the most real-world application of crypto right now um, for large scale. So real-world meaning in physical space, face-to-face. -face. Of course, people are transacting and moving hundreds of millions of dollars worth of uh, digital art and tokens back and forth over the blockchain every day. But having a small, small country try to replace their payment systems internally, like people paying for yeah, coffee, food, groceries, whatever, is something else. It has to work for people in their daily lives um, if they want to use it for pay, paying for gas or whatever. And so that's exciting to, to keep an eye on. And as I mentioned in the beginning, it's not a project that you can invest in in the sense that you can, well, you can give donations to the developers working on the protocol, but you cannot um, benefit directly by buying a token. Therefore, it's a very boring project in the sense that it doesn't get the same hype and speculation as other projects do, which is probably a really good sign. But coming back, apart from the microtransactions and small payments happening all the time on the network already currently, you can already also use it as your PayPal alternative. And more use cases are being unlocked. Right, so games are including micropayments over Lightning. We talked about podcasting before or music listening um, by the minute. Right, this already works in some apps. I'm just a bit hesitant in um, uh, shilling, like um, promoting these solutions because I think it's also there quite early. But you have with Sphinx Chat um, or Breeze, you have the ability to pay podcasts, for example, by the minute, which I would appreciate, obviously, because I'm at 30 minutes and 45 seconds now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, th that is something that already exists, but needs to mature. So you can use it as a PayPal replacement. Obviously you need your friends to use it too. Otherwise that doesn't work. And you can pay for media, for example, already for that through that. So those things are already built and they're being built. And now it's the question of scaling it since this is supposed to be the scaling layer of Bitcoin, remember? So you have the security, you have the decentralization. And the, the trifecta, basically, the, the scalability is where Bitcoin loses out. But Lightning comes on top and says, all right, I'm just going to take care of the scalability. Bringing the little side benefit of also including privacy, uh, which is really cool because Bitcoin actually is not great in privacy. Um, 
which is funny because a lot of people criticizing Bitcoin naively say that it's used for criminal activity, which is like, sure, that's possible, but it's a really bad system to use because it's very public. So if you once find out the address of somebody, you know exactly what they did. Lightning has more privacy built in. It's for smaller transactions. So you can anonymously tip the musician at the corner if they would show you their QR code. All right. So I link some of the applications that I kind of touched on um, below and as well a, a video to a great YouTube video um, from Till somebody uh, who's diving a bit more detail on this analogy with BarTab but, but goes into more detail how the channels actually work. So if you actually are technically inclined or interested in it, um, I'll, I'll link that up so you can understand a bit more technically of, of how this works and why this doesn't just break apart. All right, and with that, I'm done for today. Thank you so much for listening um, on the Lightning Network. We will continue next time um, with, with a bit more of different aspects of it. And with that, I wish you a great day and, uh, you know, stay stormy.